Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I'm Tiana, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carbon. And as you guys know, it's been another week of global news, which means here's another episode with all of the intelligence insights that you're looking for. But before we dive into today's episode, we wanted to remind you of the work that we are doing on Instagram at Oakland Analytics. And as news happens, what goes on on that page is as news happens, we continue to provide neutral commentary on the events that continue to change the geopolitical landscape. You know, as opposed to here, where we obviously get more personal and our opinions are a little more well-defined. Um, the Instagram or a little account, out there. <laughs> or a little out there, you know. But uh, the Instagram account is a perfect complement to this podcast if you want to get another, well, not another, but, you know, just the basic information without our input. <laughs> right. But speaking of perfect compliments, we also have the Need to Know newsletter, which really kind of adds to the commentary so it's different from instagram because it'll go more in depth and and add to the commentary that you hear from this podcast because we start to what we're doing there is providing updates from the weekend and you get that first thing monday morning yeah all the stories that we're keeping an eye on throughout the week definitely yeah that's that's what we're going for there i want to say that we're not trying and even within this podcast we're not trying to tell you what to think or how to feel we just want to let you know what's happening in the world and why it may be important to you on an individual level or on a global scale. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or news that we're not paying enough attention to, we'd love to hear from you. So you can engage with us through email or on um, Instagram, and we can keep the conversation going even when we're not um, recording. So whether you're a longtime listener or a new subscriber, we invite you to join our community and stay informed with Oakland Analytics. And uh, this will probably be the, the last time I talk about this, but just one more friendly reminder, if you're listening on Spotify, you can give us feedback directly in the app on the episode, uh, and it helps, it really does help us understand how we're doing as podcasters, because otherwise we're just speaking out into a void, and <laughs> no one's listening. Um, right. We are still contemplating running polls directly on the Spotify app once TN and I have decided what that should look like. Those will those will go out there, and, and hopefully that's another important part of engaging with everybody who's listening. Right. So there's nothing else you need to say. No, that's okay. It. Oh, good. Okay. Now I just wanted to make sure before we dove into everything. So yeah. let's get started. You know, with what the listeners are here for, Carvin. What's on your radar this week? Yeah, lots going on in uh, in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine. We've got uh, Iran and Afghanistan having clashes along the border. We'll also get into this new Iran hypersonic glide vehicle or hypersonic missile. As well, Iran is planning renewed attacks on U.S. troops in the Middle East. Oh, great. Once, we, once we're done talking about Iran, we're going to move over to China. And, um, well, actually, we're going to move to Cuba because China and Cuba are reaching a new deal on eavesdropping. What? It, that's going to be very interesting okay. conversation. I haven't heard anything about this. Yes, I'll probably have all kinds of questions. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we'll end it out with uh, tensions between China and the United States, states which are rising in the Taiwan Strait. Now that story I am up to date on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. But, okay, let's get right into it. What is the latest in Ukraine? Well, I think the news everybody's talking about is the damage caused to the Kovka hydroelectric power plants oh that sounds like you had a hairball Uh, yeah um now uh, i I was apologizes but i'm not a ukrainian or or russian linguist and i'm gonna get things wrong right so i do apologize yeah but that so around 2 a.m on june 6th an explosion was heard and water became to rush. Water began to rush out of that dam towards the south in the Kherson region, and it flooded large swaths of areas in that uh, in that region. Now, before we get into what transpired and the implications, I, I do want to say that evacuations are currently underway, but that's becoming quite difficult because you know you, there's if you haven't heard, there's a war going on in Ukraine mm-hmm. or a special military. Um, Special military, special military operation operation going on, yeah, yeah. So the evacuees are trying to get out of a flood zone, but they're also having to dodge gunfire and missile attacks. Oh, that's so terrible! I did see an article saying that they that Russians were firing on people trying to yep. evacuate, which shame on them. Anyways, so the first question that comes to my mind, and one that might not have been answered yet. Who did this? Yeah, that's always the question, right? And as we always talk about, anytime you ask a question, I always caveat it with, who do you believe in this mm-hmm. situation? Um, we like to, we here, you and I always like to stick with quantifiable evidence. So things that you can see, um, quant- anything quantifiable. Yeah. And and right now, I just don't, I don't see much evidence that's going to point to either side um, so I'm sticking with, I don't know. I have some theories, but that's not what we're here to do. What we can do is analyze the situation and understand which side benefits the most from damaging the dam. Well, before we do that, let me see if I can predict what is being said by Russia and Ukraine. Okay. Okay. Should be fun. Russia, Russia says Ukraine did it. And this is a huge provocation. Okay. Ukraine says Russia did it. And this is a huge provocation. Well, let me check my notes. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Check and check. Correct on both counts. Yes, I'm a psychic. Or I just know humans pretty well. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get to who benefits more and possibly who is most likely to have carried out this attack, which I I mean, any ding dong can <laughs> yeah you know, take a logical approach to this and you can yeah. easily find out um but if we're gonna go down here about who benefits more who could possibly do it it's gonna take an hour discussing all of this stuff because oh. honest nothing makes sense in in what the intended purpose of this damn destruction is unless the intent was just to cause chaos across the board right and now that i think about it and say it out loud 
that certainly could be the purpose. And, and mm-hmm. we could talk about the one country that's probably would do that. Um, now, mm-hmm. I, I talk about the intended purposes not making sense because the unintended consequences are that, first of all, civilians are stranded. And, and now they're part, again, of the war zone. Mm-hmm. Um but also the Russian military has been negatively impacted. They had a group of uh, on the front lines that just got flooded out because this dam was destroyed. Or right. Of the That's dam. why it's kind of hard to pin it completely on one country over the other, right? Exactly. Because they and both... They, they were both harmed. Things. Yeah. Um, the Ukrainian counteroffensive continues to be delayed. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if this has impacted that really or if they're just still delayed because they're waiting for things or mm-hmm. if it has started because some people, some Russian officials think they've started it. So if we if we're going to go with the Russia theory that Russia did this um, or that sorry, Russia's theory on this, which is that Ukrainian forces struck the dam causing um, damage that led to this flooding. That means Ukraine did it with zero regard for human life. Right. They're killing their own people yep okay so i want you to stop there though because you said russia is accusing ukraine of damaging the dam what purpose has russia given if any so russia says that ukraine's offensives that they've been going on are not going according to plan so they got pissed they destroyed the dam to prevent the russian military from advancing in Kherson. that happened i mean they, the dam was destroyed and the Russian military is now stuck there. They can't advance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you have to believe that Ukraine has actually begun that offensive in order to believe that it's failing, which then you would believe what Russia is saying. And there's no evidence right now that points to the beginning of an offensive in that region. Then what is Ukraine saying? And does that sound more plausible in your view? Well, I'd say uh, Ukraine is offering more specifics than Russia has. Uh, so the Ukrainian intelligence service has said that they have intel to the fact that Russia used mines to destroy a part of the dam. Um, they also said the only way to cause this amount of damage would be with mines that you've attached to the location in the dam. And that Russia has controlled that dam since 2022. Um, President Zelensky commented that once Russia took control of the dam, they mined it, and then on June 6th, set off the mines. Now, I haven't seen any tangible evidence of this, so I'm not saying that this is what happened. I'm just telling you what people are reporting, and we probably won't find out under the guise of classified information. Right. Not to belabor the point, but there is a third element to this. What is the West saying about who caused this devastation? Yeah, not surprisingly, they point the finger at Russia, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and the U.S. has said that they've received the intelligence that proves this was done by Russia. But once again, they won't release that because it's classified, right? Well, they said they're working around declassifying the documents. So only time is going to tell if we're going to find out who did. This. I'm sure they're going to cherry pick the information they released. Def- obviously. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and, and this is not an attack on any one government, but this is just what no. all governments do with classified yeah. information for yeah. for good and bad reasons. They, there's both of those. Um, right. So definitely a gray area. 
And if you remember, we're still debating who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. We're still hung up on that. Well, <clears throat> please keep your analytical sensors pointed to this topic. And hopefully we can quickly identify who the culprits were and hold them accountable for causing so much devastation. Let's move to Afghanistan and talk about a new conflict possibly brewing on the border with Iran. Um, can you do a bit of history lesson as to what is happening and why the two countries are at odds? Right. So you're referring to the Afghan-Iran water conflict. That's yes. a long, yeah. So it's a long-standing dispute between the two countries over the sharing of waters from the Helmand River. Now, the water dispute has recently been exacerbated by Iran's worsening drought conditions and the construction of dams on the Afghan side of the river. Mm-hmm. So both sides have issued statements aimed at de-escalating the situation, and they both have expressed a desire for a diplomatic resolution. Then what happened recently to cause an increase in tensions? Okay, so it began with a shooting at the border post between uh, the Afghan province of Nimroz and Iran's Sistan Baluchistan province. Um, so that's right on the border. And that happened shortly after, oddly enough, Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi accused Afghanistan's Taliban rulers of restricting the flow of water to Iran's eastern regions in violation of a 1973 treaty that the two signed. Are clashes still ongoing? But it does seem that the violent clashes have stopped. Uh, however, it's not clear whether the tele- Taliban have pulled back their fighters from the border. Now, adding to the conflict is the fact that Iran has yet to recognize the Taliban as the official government of, of Afghanistan. And Iran could be positioning themselves to cross the border militarily to deal with the dams on the Afghan side. Well, that's definitely something to watch, especially with Iran dealing with Israel. I know Iran wants to expand their territory through Iraq and Syria, or at least their influence. And this could put a wrench in those plans over the short term, so... Let's stick we'll to the up. Iran talk and discuss a new development in missile technology for Iran. Yeah, huge news if if you trust what Iran is saying. Mm-hmm. That's a personal uh, personal choice for everybody. Yeah. Um, but Iran presented what officials described as its first domestically made hypersonic ballistic missile. That is pretty big news, but I know you always try to frame the hypersonic talk with actual hypersonic and alleged hypersonic. Right. So is this a legitimate hypersonic or are they just using it to describe their new little bomb? Yeah. So once again, Iran would tell you that these missiles are true. It's a true hypersonic glide uh, vessel or missile. Mm -hmm. Last year, Iran did say they had built a hypersonic ballistic missile which can maneuver in and out of the atmosphere, which would confirm the maneuverability part of the hypersonic. So if you remember the Russia talk with their hypersonic, it mm-hmm. doesn't seem to have the maneuverability. Now the the Fatah missile, which Fatah is usually translated as a conqueror in Farsi, and, and I say loosely because in Farsi Fatah means like opener or to make victorious, so that would be conqueror. So that's a good translation from our American sources. <laughs> but the, the Fatah missile is described by Iran as having the ability to fly at Mach 15. 15. <laughs> Mach 15. Yeah, that is. That, the... that seems like a bit much. How fast do other countries' hypersonics fly? All right, so Mach 15, 15, 15. Uh, times 
the speed of sound. That's right. what they're saying. Um, mm-hmm. Now, we're going to go down the list. Let's start with the most advanced hypersonic that we know. That's the DFZF from China. That flew just above Mach 5. They say it goes between 5 and 10. Uh, the fact about that one is it has really high maneuverability. Yeah. It's a tough one to uh, to stop. Now, Russia claims their Kinzhal missile reaches Mach 10. Of course. That one, we know, has been stopped by Patriot missiles. Yeah. Um, and, and then the U.S. has launched one from a B-52 uh, recently, and that one reached just above Mach 5. So no one has gotten above Mach 10. <laughs> but Iran did. But Iran did it. Uh, yes. They've got tons of other stuff going on in their country domestically. Yeah, they've got other conflicts going on with water. And, yep. But they made a Mach 15 hypersonic missile, by golly. By golly. So Mach 15 is a bit unbelievable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, that Iran is trying to remain, you know, it, Iran's trying to remain a major geopolitical power player. So I think it makes sense that they're going to try to exaggerate some of this stuff, a lot of their new technologies. But perhaps they shouldn't have exaggerated to that extent. <laughs> so Go big or go home. Go big or go home. <laughs> okay, so do you think they are exaggerating about everything or just the speed? What I'm trying to get at is, do you think that they indeed have a hypersonic glide vehicle, but they are exaggerating its capabilities? Or do you think it's all exaggerated? They don't have a hypersonic glide vehicle. With everything that's going on in Iran, it all seems fishy to me. Not not saying that they're just always lying. They don't have the capability. Yeah, not and not to say they don't have the capabilities in the future. Right. Um it's it's just it it seems fishy the mm-hmm. that they would release that um but Iran has been developing these systems for a while now. I, I just don't think that this missile, the Fatah missile, is a true hypersonic. I definitely uh, don't think it's a global concern at this point. I can almost guarantee you it does not go Mach 15 mm-hmm. um, because that would have been a huge worldwide story. Right. Um, now, Since China and the U.S. have only been able to get just above Mach 10, maybe. Yeah. Or Mach yeah, 5. You, just above Mach 5, sorry. You would have had a lot of Pentagon officials on high alert right. all month doing it. But like you said, I want to I want to reiterate what you said. That doesn't mean that it's not going to happen in the near future and we don't need to be looking at this. Right. Okay. Well, let's talk more about Iran because we haven't discussed them enough today. And let's talk about the renewed attacks on U.S. troops. What does this mean for U.S. troops overseas, and is there a specific cause for Iran to decide to re-engage the U.S. military? Like, what are they doing? Because they don't have enough stuff on their plate. They want to start picking fights. Right. Well, when you have a Mach 15 missile, you can. That's true. You can. You can. Uh, But let's let's start with the fact that uh, Iranian leaders in Syria actually met to plan for a potential attack on U.S. troops. Um They've begun recruiting locals, Syrian locals, to target U.S. forces in Dar Azor province of Syria. They want to do that with IEDs. And um, this was actually first noticed when a new Iranian-backed militia in Iraq was established. Uh, but 
honestly, I think it, it just appears that Iran's trying to capitalize on perceived tensions between the United States and the United Arab Emirates and other Middle Eastern countries. They want to weaken this U.S.-led multinational partnership in the Persian Gulf. One more thing to keep an eye on is the fact Iranian and Russian military officials have met recently as well to actually discuss expelling the United States from Syria. So this would be an indicator of Russia's intent to help facilitate Iranian-backed attacks against U.S. forces. That's going to put U.S. forces in harm's way from multiple angles. Uh, We're going to keep a close eye on this development and if we see any indication an attack is going to occur, we'll we'll discuss that. We'll put that out there. Well, how about we take a break <laughs> from the okay. Iran talk, okay? Let's discuss the new deal between China and Cuba because I don't understand. What are we looking at mm-hmm. with this eavesdropping? What's an eavesdropping deal? <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, maybe eavesdropping isn't, isn't the correct term. Maybe you can think up a, a better term. Spying, maybe, is oh. a good term. Uh, but yeah, China has reached a secret deal with Cuba to establish... Secret, and we're talking about it. Well, we we talk about other people's secrets all we want. <laughs> I just don't talk about my own secrets. I'm just saying it's not a secret right. if we're talking about it. That's that's what I mean. It, it was a secret deal till the U.S. said, oh, guess what? This is what we found out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it was to establish an, an electronic eavesdropping facility on the island of Cuba. Now, Cuba is about 100 miles from the U.S. state of Florida. I, okay. <laughs> this, this, that's Lots crazy. of questions. Well, I, yeah, I'm trying to get them all in my brain. What does this mean for the U.S.? Well, that means it's going to allow China to gather electronic communications from the United States possibly gives China a new avenue to spy on U.S. military installations. Um, There there are quite a few military bases in Florida along the East Coast, as we all know, and we have been to, you and I. Mm -hmm. So those uh, those would be a target. They'd also be able to gather information on the movements of ships in the area that would could give them an early warning system to where the U.S. may be deploying various military equipment. Um, Now, China is said to pay Cuba several billion dollars to allow the eavesdropping station. And if we know China, and we've talked about it all the time, with their business dealings, Cuba may never see that money. But if they did, and this is why Cuba would do it, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a huge win for Cuba's economy. So what is the United States saying about this proposed plan? Well, rare bipartisan support from many officials saying that if the report is true, it would be a direct assault upon the United States. But does the United States do this to China? And if we do, wouldn't this agreement just be a direct result of what the U.S. is already doing in regards to spying on China? I think that's why everybody comes to listen to this, because you always put it in perspective of like, uh, yeah, because it, it, it's a brilliant question, and it's true. You know, the U.S. has an outpost on Taiwan. This was confirmed by the head of Taiwan's National Security Bureau. Uh, he told Parliament in April that Taiwan was conducting real-time encrypted intelligence sharing with what's called Five Eyes Partners. That includes oh. the United States, Australia, the U.K. So there's merit to your statement. 
Um, I, I think this falls under sort of a philosophical discussion, not not a geopolitical or intelligence discussion. Mm-hmm. And it it revolves around whether or not you consider all governments evil mm-hmm. or if there is justification for a morally legitimate government to protect its allies by performing maybe unethical tasks. Then after all of that, you're going to keep peeling back the onion because then you have to agree on what's a good and moral government, which yeah. government is yeah. real and good or real, but good and moral. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you have to decide whether you think this entire universe is real or if it's all Stop. just now I'm just kidding. But yeah, you can see the rabbit hole just opens up and we're never right. going to get to the bottom of it. That is Curvin speak for let's move on. Or yes. this podcast will become a three-hour ordeal. <laughs> yeah. The last event you mentioned at the beginning was increased tensions with the Taiwan Strait. This week, we saw the U.S. and China ships move pretty close to each other. Real. What is the story there? And has this taken us closer to a possible conflict? Yeah, it's just as you alluded to, uh, this was a Chinese naval ship that was uh, actually... With a Canadian ship, they were trying to move a Canadian ship out of the strait, and uh, they crossed the bow of a U.S. destroyer within about 150 yards between the ships. And and I know we have naval people that listen to this, and and that's probably got their knuckles white because right. that's really close in naval terms. Um, the, the U.S. called this an aggressive new action in the Taiwan Strait. So is this aggressive action something new? So as far as I know personally, um, people that I have spoken to who work out in the the Taiwan Strait or in the Indo-Pacific, confrontations between Chinese and American military planes and ships happen constantly, and they're unavoidable just because there's so much going on there. Now, this particular instance of a Chinese warship overtaking a U.S. destroyer is almost unprecedented. You said almost, though. So yeah. what do you mean by that? Clarify, please. Okay. So it appears to be the first time in the Taiwan Strait that this has happened. But honestly, I know of a few times it's happened in the South China Sea. And what is the difference? Okay, the difference, once again, depends on who is speaking. Yeah. So the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, claims both sides of the Taiwan Strait belong to China. Of course. Because Taiwan belongs to China. Right. Right. Now, privately, so publicly, the U.S. considers Taiwan part of China. Privately, the U.S. does not agree with that statement. So China knows that the U.S. privately doesn't agree with that statement. And so they usually refrain from provocative acts within the Taiwan Strait. This seems to be an escalation. And and while there's no talk of a conflict starting immediately... I just this is just another data point leading us to China's 2025 plan for the invasion of Taiwan. Well, once again, we end on semi good news. Yeah, I say good news because it didn't start an armed conflict. And right now we will take any semi good news we can get. (laughs) Cooler heads prevailed. Cooler heads prevailed. Do you have anything else that you would like to discuss this week? Okay, I know usually I say we're out of time. Um, We've got time here. And I think our listeners would be disappointed if we didn't discuss the recent unidentified aerial phenomenon story that's been coming out of the intelligence community. 
I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Well, this will be a fun conversation then. Tell us when we will be meeting our first intelligent being from outside of Earth. All right. Now, you're not going to get the answer to that on this podcast. Uh, I kind of want to clarify what's being said and then adjust expectations. Mm. I, I think a lot of people believe this individual confirmed alien spacecraft in the hands of the government. Um but we, we always start these conversations with the credibility question. So I'm going to start there. So the individual involved is David Charles Grush. Um, he was an infantry officer in Afghanistan before he started to work in the intelligence community with the NRO and uh, the National Geospatial Intelligence Center, or NGIC. So he's quite credible, right? Um, on the surface, he seems quite credible. And, and I can see your face is confused a little bit. So let me backtrack just a little bit. Yeah. And say what happened here. Yeah. Okay. So there's a a recent article, and this guy came out as a whistleblower, um, Grush. He says that he has evidence that has been classified and the government will not release that Mm -hmm. states the government has shot down a UAP, an unidentified aerial phenomenon. They have captured that, and they are reverse engineering it. So that's that's where we're at. Okay. Okay. So credibility now. All right. Yeah. Because a guy says that to you and to me, I'm like, okay, okay, buddy, this is the conversation we're having. But he was uh, he was NGA's. So NGA is the National Geospatial Agency. Um, He's the co-lead for UAP analysis, and he is the representative for NGA to the task force. Well, I mean, if you analysis. think about it, if the government feels like there needs to be a position like this, then there's obviously a reason for it. Yes. However, a lot of that got started during the Trump administration when he forced the the, the military to look into these things. Oh. That okay. was set up in regards to that. Um, not uh-huh. to say that it wasn't done and because... Space Force. Right. And, and then... There's there's a lot that we could talk about here, but here's where this all gets kind of wonky for me. Um, he's asking the DOD to declassify documents that's going to pr- prove what he is saying is true, but his information is coming from secondary and tertiary sources. He calls good friends within the intelligence community. Oh. Now, I do... So what I take issue with is kind of the framing of this by some in the media. They, they consider it this sort of smoking gun uh, but no evidence has been provided to anyone right now because it's highly classified. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Grush offered no verified documents to prove his statements. Um, so I like to stick with what's called the Sagan standard uh, created by Carl Sagan. So the more unlikely a certain claim is, given existing evidence on the subject, the greater the standard of proof that is expected of it, meaning I need more evidence if you're yeah. going to say outlandish things. So what does that mean in this case? Well, so he makes claims that the U.S. government has been reverse engineering these UAPs. If that's true, what technologies have been established based off of this reverse engineering? Right. We're still trucking along with our <laughs> he said it's stuff. He knew of it starting in 2010. Oh, and we've had no changes to our no changes it's only gotten worse (laughs) (laughs) we're still using the same old equipment right 
Um, he's he's also, I believe there was a point where he said in 1944 uh, in Nazi Germany, uh, a craft was recovered to begin reverse engineering. Um, that has also not been proven. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that would be kept secret all this time just does not compute with me. Right. Uh, but every time there's talk of Earth being visited by alien life forms, it's always through like these secondary or tertiary statements. We need some quantifiable evidence. We need right. photos and videos. The ones we have now, I don't think are undeniable evidence. So you just don't believe any of this at all? No, it's not that. And I, I will say, if you think that there is not life outside of this galaxy, as many galaxies as we found. Right. Billions of light years that we've gone back in time to look at, at mm-hmm. galaxies now. I mean, I can't be convinced there's not something out there. There has to be, right? Yeah. Um, But who cares what I believe? <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to, to say what's going on. It's not about what I believe is true. Um, if you're passionate about UAPs, I know you, Tina, have turned a corner on some of this. You kind of like it now. Yeah, sometimes. It. And it's awesome. That's that's so great to go through those those theories. Please, to anybody listening, go keep investigating it. Send me anything you think is verifiable that's undeniable proof. Uh, I'm going to champion that on this podcast all day. <laughs> I just haven't seen anything that convinces me. Uh, yeah. I don't think the U.S. shot down a UAP when it couldn't even get a freaking... Chinese spy balloon down until yeah. over Myrtle Beach. Exactly. Um, and and then I'm not convinced that we've begun reverse engineering it. That would be quite the event. That could do wonders for humans. Um, it could also be very devastating to humans. You know, new technologies are always used to kill what we consider the enemy, mm-hmm. whatever that may be at the time. So like I said, it's a very interesting story. I don't. I think if we didn't cover it, everybody would be upset because uh, it was an intelligence story. It was about the oh, intelligence okay. community. I was wondering um, why you didn't mention it earlier at the right. lead of the podcast. It's just a little outlandish to me. Yeah. But I also think that the media's framing of this is some smoking gun um, without even fully investigating the story. And it's it's just counterproductive. That's the way the media is these days. They don't do any research or any follow through. They just hear something. They hear, you know, there's hearsay and then they take it as gospel and write about it. Yeah. And there was Click no stories. What, what I didn't like in the article and I read the article. um was that there were no counterpoints to it. There was nobody that was saying, oh, well, this isn't, you know, this isn't true because of this. Bringing both sides into it, playing a devil's advocate, so to speak. They just had this whistleblower and they believed everything he told them. Right. So do you think we will ever know without a doubt whether humans have been visited by intelligent life from outside of Earth? Uh, I'm not the person to answer that question. I can't answer that question. Yeah, I thought we were going to go down that. <laughs> yeah. That's a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, we. you want to raise the audience here. Yeah, that, that would no. be a good way. No, that's yeah, not, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. what we're here to do. Uh, yeah. But I will say, if what... I'm not discounting him at all. Like, I, I, if he's saying stuff that's indeed true, we're getting closer to learning the truth. 
of what is going on with UAPs and, and maybe life forms from outside of our galaxy. If it isn't true, we're going to know really quickly because this story is going to die down. It's going to have its 15 minutes of fame and then it's going to wash out into the ether. Well, dang. Hopefully yeah. we get more information either way. So is that all that you have for us this week? Yeah, that's all I've got unless you want to talk about anything. I've got to finish cooking dinner. Oh, so no. But <laughs> thank you for listening to our humble little geopolitical podcast. We hope that you found it informative and engaging. As we mentioned at the start of this episode, if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please let us know. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at Oakland Analytics. Tiana, thank you so much. Thank you to the audience for putting us in the U.S. charts on Apple Podcasts. Thank I, you to the Australians for yeah. just blowing up this podcast in the Australia charts. I, uh, it, if, whenever if, you posted <laughs> that this morning, I was like, oh my gosh, because you didn't even mention it. Yeah, I, I just found it this morning. Um, what I did, what I have known is that uh, we probably need to make a trip to Tanzania. And if you're listening from Tanzania, please get in touch with us so we can do a live yeah. show. We are at number 50 in Tanzania. I think we've been as high as 15. Um, so for all of you out in Tanzania, we love you. Yeah, and until next thanks. week, stay safe out there.